Faith to the Podcast. My name is Hubba Butts, and welcome back to the eighth Sunday after Pentecost for the week of July 31st, 2022. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are in this wonderful time, this wonderful season. I hope that the weather has at least been decent where you are. I know for me, it's been some really nice days, and I this morning got to go out and do some birding, which was a real fun for me, just being able to spend some time out there and relax and do something a little bit different than what I've been able to do lately the last few months. And so it's nice to be able to do that and to be able to work and look and listen and be observant and try to just hear what is all going on around you. And I think that's one of the things that really is keen and it's causing us to be aware because when you're walking into the unknown and you have this thing of what are we actually going to see, what are we actually going to discover that allows us to be able to be creative, to be inspired, to be amazed. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of times it can in day-to-day life be really easy to miss out on, to be able to overlook And I think it leads really well into the question that we had for last week of how often do you think like a scientist and are willing to change when the results aren't the way that you expect? That's part of one of the things that I really enjoy about doing birding or something of that nature, that there is this element of the unknown and it's the element of learning. It's the element of being surprised that's really fun and exciting that inspires you to keep moving forward, inspires you to think differently, inspires you to have an open mind, to be able to hear what's going on, be observant, learn from what you've experienced before, and be willing and able to tune into that. And I think when we're looking at where we're going this week a little bit, I think it's one of the things within the human nature that we definitely need to work on. And I think this week's text kind of helps us with that. So let's just jump into it. One of the Old Testament texts can be Hosea chapter 11 verses 1 to 11. This is a hopeful text, but this is also a hard text in a certain way, especially coming off of what we went through last week. But here you have Hosea and it's God embodying Israel as a child and that God has raised Israel and has enjoyed raising Israel, but yet as Israel has gotten older, it's wanted to turn its face from God and pursue its own passions like a child and even a teenager like to do. And this puts God in an interesting situation where he gets very frustrated with the people, but then he also doesn't want to hurt them. This is his child. This is who he cares about. And he's just wanting them to feel the compassion that he has for them and be able to then return back and come back to the Lord and let me teach you about the ways of where I'm actually trying to teach you. So the psalm that goes with that is Psalm 107 verses 1 to 9 and verse 43. This then is talking about that love that God then has and how vast, how wide it goes from east to west, north to south, how It is all-encompassing love. And in this steadfast love that he has for us, that it is able to guide us if we're willing and able to tap into that, if we are willing and able to rely and trust and lean into that love. The other alternative Old Testament text is from Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2, 12 to 14, and chapter 2, verses 18 to 23. 
And it starts with vanity of vanities, says the teacher, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. And it gets into how often as humans, we consume these things, we look for these things that we assume to have value, but it's not like it comes with us. There's nothing here that is valuable outside of what God has given us. And so don't be spoiling or putting all this time and work and effort into something that really isn't valuable in the end. Instead, putting time and work and effort into your relationship with God and being able to then learn on what God is actually trying to teach, which ties then into the psalm this week, which is Psalm 49 verses 1 to 12. And this continues that theme, that it doesn't really matter in God's eyes if God has blessed you with not a ton or a lot of earthly possessions. What God is working with is trying to put these things that we see as human things, that we see as valuable aside to be able to understand that this relationship of God and this reliance on God and this relationship that we have with God is something that's deeper and more intimate and is worth more. And even as we try to boast with wealth and riches, that's not what God is really wanting or going for. It's this idea of then being able to share in this love that does not pass away. The New Testament text is from Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 11. This continues along that similar theme of how often we put human things ahead of what God is wanting. Starting in verse 4, when Christ who is in your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed to him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. So putting aside these things that are within us. But then he continues in verse 8, but now you must also get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. These things that, again, that we want to hold on to, but this is not who the new creation within us is guiding us and steering us into being, that when we have been set free and renewed in Christ and moved in a new way, that this then recognizes that we are a changed person and there is then changes that happen within us in doing that. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 12 verses 13 to 21. This starts with a text of that this guy's brother has not in sharing the inheritance and is asking for Jesus to do that. And Jesus responds with, don't make me the judge or arbiter of what is going on. And then continues with, be on guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist of abundance of possessions. So then he gets into this parable of there is a land where a rich man has produced abundantly. And then he asks, what should I do to store all these crops? And he decides, let's tear down the barns and let's build bigger ones to store all my grain. And then there's this idea of then Christ is coming and it's the end of your life and what do you have? And God responds with, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things that you have prepared, where will they be? 
So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. So this idea of how earthly possessions can hold us back from being the caring neighbor, from being the person who's looking outside, if we're just looking at the pure accumulation of wealth within us, and how that then can harvest nothing really in the end. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plug. Oh, Working Preacher, if you haven't drank Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, or discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help bring you this podcast. And I really enjoy having the variety of commentaries coming from the variety of biblical scholars from a variety of years going through this lectionary. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend that. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I use them on a weekly basis to not only look at the text, but also to see the interpretation of how different people are interpreting the text through art. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that also. When we're talking about possessions and almost the hoarding of possessions and how we can get overly comfortable. As I've thought about this and pondered this and even look back on what I've talked about before, this is something that is of the human condition for sure. This is something that we as humans struggle with. And let me explain a little bit further because when we look out into nature, yes, there is hoarding, but the difference is it doesn't go with them. And it's not like it necessarily benefits the whatever animals next generation by hoarding. There isn't this necessary benefit. If anything, it helps benefit potentially the forest in which it's in. Like the simple example of if a squirrel is stashing acorns around and forgets about an acorn, it potentially has the chance to grow a new forest. If we're stashing things in barns or in warehouses, what is that going to actually grow? So let's take a look at some of these different animals that hoard and kind of why are they hoarding? And then let's Think about this from a human perspective. I think there's some things here. So like I stated, the two easy ones that we can probably recognize are squirrels and chipmunks and how a lot of times they're storing it because they're going to need it later. They're going to be using this for food, especially in abundant times, be able to store up those reserves in secret spots so that later they can potentially, when food is scarcer, be able to eat and survive, especially in times of years where their metabolism might be a little bit lower, and so it might not be as easy for them to be able to go out and go scavenging for food. Hamsters can also do a little bit of temporary food storage in cheek pouches or finding things to be able to store in their burrows and their food chambers for scarcer times, again, when there isn't as much around. And we see this again in rats and mice, a similar type of thing where they're doing it for temporary storage for later, that this is something that, again, they, they can come back to 
There's types of woodpeckers that will do the same type of thing. Again, stashing food for later to potentially come back. But especially looking at like acorns and there's different woodpecker species that will pack acorns into trees. Now, does this necessarily help the woodpecker long term? Because they're probably not going to eat all those. But it also then provides the forest a potential if that tree dies, which it's usually already a dead tree that they're doing this to that it gives them potential root starts for these acorns to grow. We have definitely seen it for corvids, which are your crows, your rooks, your jays, your ravens, which are extremely smart. We've seen them stashing like shiny objects and different things. We've seen how they'll use rocks or different things to be able to push water up so that they're able to drink. So there's different reasons they're using it as tools. But again, storing carcasses for food for later or things that they're going to need later. There are five different species of short-tailed shrews. Again, they're going to paralyze. But again, then they are looking at being able to potentially store it in this case, because they're using a toxic venom, waiting for the body to essentially get to a place where they can actually consume it. Moles, again, one of these where they're taking these, again, using some microtoxins and stuff, but being able to, again, put it in different spaces for food supply for later. Ants being able to work together to be able to carry food in again for these times when they're not able to do it. Seeing a theme here. And again, we've even noticed it with fiddler crabs doing a very similar thing. The issue that I see is, and there's plenty of research talking about how certain animals will hoard to be able to provide in times when there is a lack of abundance. In the modern society, especially in a developed world nation and how we do things, when as we as the rich man ever have a time with not abundance? Very, very, very rarely. And I feel like in a lot of times then we continue to store up, store up, store up, store up. And does it actually benefit us in the future? Think about how we try to move, how difficult it is compared to a lot of these other species. One of the examples that I think of too is there was experience when I was in like high school going out and experiencing a northern hawk owl. And they're a super cool bird. They're an owl with an identity crisis. I think I've talked about it here on this podcast. They hunt during the day. They think more like a hawk, but they're 100% genetically owl. And we were out with this friend of mine and we were sitting and talking and looking at this owl and for like 45 minutes we could hear it and see it turning its head that there was something it was hearing that we couldn't. And finally after 45 minutes it drops down off a perch and goes into the bush just talons out and comes out with a red back pole. And you could tell that that owl was well fed in that it wasn't going and devouring this right away. Instead, it went to stash it somewhere else for when food wasn't as plentiful. The thing is, is that owl where we saw it, it wasn't going to be there year round. And it's very likely the time of year that we saw it, it was near the end of the winter. Did it ever eat that prey? Probably not. If anything, wherever it stored it, it potentially provided fertilizer for something else to grow. 
And that's one of the things that I find that's really interesting is when you're looking at and thinking about all these animals that are storing things, yes, they're storing reserves for when there's times when there's not as much, but if they move, if they go somewhere else, if they pass away, the stuff that they have just returns to the earth. It's us as humans that struggle with this idea of we have all these things and when we let die, there's a lot of work to potentially be done because there's all these things that suddenly need to be taken care of, estates to be settled, things that need to be let go of, things that need to be moved along to someone else or thrown away, but how hard it is for that stuff to return back. We can't bring it with us. It's a term that we've probably heard many times before. You can't bring it with you. Might as well use it. When we're looking at the wealthy man, which if you're listening to this podcast, you more than likely are the wealthy man. Because this whole idea of, well, this is somebody who has more than me. If you are living in a developed country, you are wealthy. Even the low of the low in this country, in a lot of ways, are wealthy. Based on the systems and different things that we have to be able to help take care of things. Things that we're helping each other out on. And yes, is there still room to improve it? Yes. But just even having that makes us, in a lot of ways, wealthy. Being able to be in a spot that we have the community around us to be able to spare, to be able to help each other out and not just be purely concerned with myself is wealthy. I think this text and what Jesus is stating is, again, it's expanding our view to look outward, look beyond. If a chipmunk is stashing all these acorns with the idea that it might even forget where some of them are, what is it doing? It's potentially growing a forest that it may probably will never see. If a fox it makes a kill and buries it for later, or a wolf, what is that doing if it forgets about it? It's providing fertilizer for the ground for something else to grow. It's allowing for something else amazing to happen. Just because it forgot about it doesn't necessarily mean it's a lost cause. It's actually providing in some other way. It's providing nutrients. It's providing life in some other way. With the way that we store up goods, do we provide growth and life in another way? Jesus is calling out this man in that he is so fixated on not getting the split of the inheritance, it's not allowing him to grow. He's fixated that it hasn't allowed him to be able to see beyond and potentially have ways that we can cross-pollinate and help each other share nutrients to help each other grow. When we become so fixated purely on the self, how is that helping? The acorn that sits on that tree, yes, it might grow next door. But part of why it is in a packet like that is that it's hoping that something else picks it up and brings it to a better location to potentially grow. It's looking for some way to be moved, looking for a new place to put down roots, looking for a way and so that it can benefit and modify and help the environment in which it's in. Are we doing the same? Are we so consumed with the self? And in this case, he's so 
fixated on his brother? Is he being able to realize maybe this person has benefits that could help others around him? Or maybe there's ways that the people around him can help him if he's really down on his luck and is really struggling to get by. I find it so interesting because especially in the Hosea reading, it's God has continued to provide and to provide and to provide and to provide for the people of Israel. And so what happens? They are so wealthy with how God has provided, they don't even recognize it anymore. And so then they start looking at something else and God is frustrated and still loves them. But God is also like, you're going to be overthrown because that's the only way that you're going to learn. The Ecclesiastes reading is the same type of thing. This recognition of how we store up these things and we say they're so valuable, but yet is our relationship with God not more valuable? Is our relationship with God as strong as what is in their value that they have? And Colossians, again, is the same idea of to really be the new creation that God is calling us to be, it means that we can't just be purely consumed with the here and now. We have to be looking broader, looking beyond the self. When a chipmunk is putting aside or a squirrel is putting aside those reserves, realizing it probably will never utilize all of that and making sure that it's storing in different locations because it doesn't want it to easily be something happened and you lose all your reserves. Squirrel and chipmunks aren't that dumb, but they're also realizing they're probably not going to use everything and then they're potentially allowing for something else to grow later. This is an idea of looking at things as an ecosystem, looking at things in a much broader context, looking at how we can benefit each other. Now, it doesn't mean that, sure, having Being able to pass on an inheritance to someone else is necessarily bad. But it's also making sure that you're not banking on that. Making sure that you're also not just purely just going for that. Making sure that along the way you're continuing to build that relationship with God, which means that we have to look beyond who we are. The forest changes and goes through stages and goes through succession, as we've talked about before. These moments of moving forward, not being stagnant and like that forever. And in doing that, it means that it needs to guarantee this idea of not banking on things. It has to keep moving things ahead, making sure that it's being shared with others. When we look around us, are we making sure that we're doing the same? Are we making sure that we, if called upon to move, are easy to move, realizing that that means that we can't take everything with us? I know for myself, having just moved into the home last year, there was plenty I took here and there's plenty more that has come into this place to fill more and more of this place up. But am I making sure that the things that aren't being used are also being passed along or am I hoarding them? Am I holding on to them and not willing to give them up? This is the same things that we're wrestling with and dealing with and what God is then talking to us to recognize. One of the things I know I talked about three years ago and I want to bring up again because I feel like there's more of the story to tell now was a project I worked on like seven years ago called PV for Phoebe. It was working with a church synod to be able to put some solar panels on a hospital in Liberia, Africa that was going through kind of a sucky deal on how 
Some of these bigger countries were providing low-grade diesel, so when they were buying diesel generators, they couldn't stay within the guarantees because the diesel was so poor quality, so they're burning through diesel fuel. And so they helped to be able to provide solar panels for this hospital. And one of the things that still distinctly stands out to me even to this day is the pictures I remember seeing of the people that were there and how happy and joyful they were. You could see it in their face. But yet, they would go into surgery in Phoebe with headlamps because the power might go out. Or you broke your arm and they tell you to come back on a different day because we can't afford to turn on the electricity today. Part of my mission trip that was so exciting is that I got to help with some shipments that were going to that hospital along with the surrounding hospitals. And recognizing the impact of what Phoebe had become, not only because of it being able to provide jobs and being able to not only in the hospital, but teaching people how to do solar to be able to expand their infrastructure, but that had become the hub for that area for medical supplies, working with global health missionaries, I'll attach a link down below, to be able to share in the medical supplies coming over from the states that are surplus here. And for me, the joy that I felt that the stuff in the early project, and even though I didn't do a ton on that project, the early stuff that I did to help in that project, realizing that when Phoebe got that wealth, they realized they needed to continue to share that wealth. And that was not just something to hold on to, but it was something to continue to share, to help move forward the whole community, thus making a stronger Liberia, Africa. As I sat there and was helping with the final parts of that shipment, realizing that's what faith is, realizing that as they receive this abundance, they continue to lean into God enough to be able to let go of abundance, to make sure that others experienced what they needed instead of me hoarding and looking at others and say, oh, if it only you had the right connections. We see sharing within nature all around us, and we've talked about it plenty on this podcast enough where I can't get into it today. And yes, there is a point where, yes, we need to hold on to things to make sure we're taken care of. But at what point have we held on to too much? At what point are we willing to let go? At what point are we willing to do stuff realizing we may never see it? At what point are we willing to let go of things, even if we've put a lot of work into it? The question I have for you this week is, at what point are you willing to let go? At what point are you willing to let go? Because there's so many times where we have so much abundance, we just want to hold everything, and we can't. As the church, as the world, as government, as nature, we can't hold everything. We can try working together, working with God, establishing those relationships, understanding what to hold on to and what to let go of. We as humans struggle with this. And the sooner that we are able to come to terms with this, the better our world is going to be. Every year we have these countdowns on how much we could actually consume. And this last week we got beyond what our world can consume. We're running a deficit in consumption. We have now taken more than what the earth can provide. Are we okay with that? And every year it gets earlier and earlier and earlier. 
and the debt runs higher and higher and higher as the earth can't provide more and more and more. Are we okay with that? Or are we going to be into a position where we're forced to have less? Or do we choose to have less before we get to that point? These are hard things, the decisions we have to get to, and it's something that means we have to look beyond ourselves, to look to others, to look to nature, to see how it needs things also. Sacrifice is hard, but isn't that what we are told that part of our faith is, is sacrificing of the self for the benefit of everyone. To sacrifice the greed, the anger, the all these things that are listed in Colossians that are about me and start looking more toward the we and expanding that we maybe beyond you and me as homo sapiens. Maybe expanding that beyond what we know even in this world to understand the whole of the creation, the whole universe. But that's another story for another day. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.